Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, it's October 1st, 2012. We've run a small cap value, uh, low debt, and a uh, dividend yield screen this week, which had some interesting results. But before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional analysts and portfolio managers during the week, but it's after work. We're kind of kicked back. So while uh, for uh, our clients during the week, we do a lot of careful fundamental analysis, we do conference calls with management, we survey sales forces, uh, we talk to competitors. We've done absolutely none of that here, I think it's safe to say. Third, uh, our lawyers say to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind, so please do your own work. And fourth, I've been drinking this week a little more heavily than usual because of all the technical snafus. But see all our caveats, bios, pictures our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. And check us out on Facebook, where actually the first links to the show go up. The Value Guys have a page there. And on Twitter, at Value Guys. Uh, we're tweeting uh, links to the show and things like that. So, uh, so welcome everybody. Um, this is uh, the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. Yeah, welcome and greetings from Apollo Seven. We're having an Apollo Seven yeah. moment here. Well, I mean, we couldn't get anything to work tonight. No microphone, so we're recording. Thank you. This show we're we're dedicating to Apple because if it weren't for your phone, readers would be deprived of a. Another great show. So we're just we're, doing the whole thing on the iPhone here. Yep. iPhone 4 with a working map app. Yep. So, uh, so uh, we're going to have three terrific ideas coming up here that came through this uh, screen. And it's just... But, but before I'm, we do that... Oh, we're doing something... Well, I'm just going to say what we're... Oh, the tickers. We there, just yeah. give a little tickle yep. to the tickers here. Is that the uh, ticker tickle? Yeah, ticker tickle. So we've got... Uh, Computer Programs and Systems, CPSI. It's a uh, 3% yield and a couple of other things. They do hospital software. PetMed Express, which we've owned in the shop at times. We don't own it now, but they sell, uh, you know, medicine for your pet. And, and who hasn't had a pet yeah. without a thyroid I mean, problem? You need, I mean, sometimes they just need a Tylenol, whatever. Right. And then finally, mm -hmm. a stock that neither Mo or I understand whatsoever, but it's got a pretty high yield. Uh, Pioneer Southwest Energy Partners. Uh, and if you want to just fast forward to that part of the show, uh, go ahead. Or we've got a podcast called Value Guys Stock Clips. You can Google and you just get to those ticker symbols. But then, of course, you'd miss this next part of the show, which we call, uh, what do we call it, Mo? Well, we, we call, call it, we call uh, it Value Guys Wall Street News Featuring Momentum. But we also had Value Guys Road Trip last week. Oh, the road trip. That's right. You know, I forgot about the, that. So, uh, for all of the uh, talk about the uh, declining and decaying infrastructure of America, we drove west on uh, I-80. Yeah. Roads were yeah. amazing. Amazing. Flat. Yeah. Asphalt was in good shape. No potholes. Very good shape. So no good, complaints. It was, a, it was a good road trip. 
We uh, haven't done that in about 30 years. Well, we had to deliver a car, my old car, and I just drove it out to my daughter in Chicago. So, uh, a hi, uh, secret daughter. Um, and uh, Mo was kind enough to, to travel with me, so that was quite a quite a nice ride. But we had a couple of uh, economic indicators that we wanted to talk about here on the show that we've developed just for the show. One the, was... The east-west truck yeah, ratio the, module. Yeah, the truck, the truck count seems way up. Uh, I mean, there were times when we couldn't see ahead of us because of all the trucks. No, we couldn't see ahead of us because it was the vernal equinox. Well... Also because of that, but uh, a lot of trucks on the road, and of course we weren't out there last year, so I don't want to. I don't actually have a year-over-year comparison, but it seemed like there were a lot of trucks. A, and they were all pretty clean, especially, especially when you're driving at 60 miles an hour and they're driving at 80. Well, yeah, but you know, I also what I noticed was these trucks were clean, and if you're a truck driver and you're stopping to wash your truck, times are good. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And then the other indicator I had, the we passed a lot truck. of. We passed a lot of smokestacks. It's industrial, the heart of industrial America there, you know. And uh, a lot of them had smoke coming out of them. Yep, bad for the environment, but good ah, for the what economy. what have you. You know, the environment will go on, but GDP, that's what we need, right? Exactly. So exactly. that's a little... And you're not going to read that in the Wall Street Journal. So there's a... there's a Value a Guys Road Trip News. Yep. Yeah. Um, you, you, gave, you gave me this article. Thank you very much. Are we getting to the news part We're of the show? We're getting to the news part. Okay, yeah. Well, that that's a big deal. I thought our listeners should know about that. Whirlpool and, and LG have been litigating against each other for years. Years. Yeah, and you know what they call it? Storage wars. Storage wars. Storage wars is what, you know, yeah. what it's called. Here's the thing. According to Whirlpool, they invented um, ice storage bins. I always thought so. And they put them in their refrigerators. Okay. All right. yeah. LG is putting the same ice storage bins in their TV sets. This is our uh, Asian competitors. Exactly. Right. And they're putting the ice storage bins in their, in their television okay. sets. To now, keep the uh, circuits cool? No. Or, all right. All right. I, okay. What do you this do? It's complicated. What do you do? I don't know. When there's a commercial on TV, you go into the kitchen, you get a... You get something, you, get you a put beverage. some ice, right? Okay, a vodka and then you come back. Yeah. So you're going all the way into the kitchen. Hmm. LG said if we had that ice bin right in the TV set, you just walk up to the set, get your ice, and then go sit back on the couch. Don't miss any of the commercial. It right. improves the value of advertising as well. So they thought that was great. They started to, to talk about a patent for that. And then um, Whirlpool came back and said, fine, we're putting TVs in our refrigerators. We're going to change the whole paradigm of American watching television. Yeah. They're now going to watch in the kitchen. By the, t- by the refrigerator. Park up, you know, pull up a chair. Wow. You're right in front of the refrigerator. So this has been going on. Hmm. And Living room, kitchen. Living room, and the kitchen. Shape, it's a lifestyle the sh- choice. But, but the, the sh- our destiny is being dictated by which one of these behemoths wins this battle. Where will future Americans watch television? Don't the little people get a voice in where they're going to watch uh, television, where they're going to get their next sandwich? Big corporations run away. But at any rate, they've, they've come to some Solved agreement. It. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. The agreement is highly confidential, so they, really? maybe they've put their heads together and figure out what they're going to do for us. But I that's, just, I, that, that, I, the reason I took note of that is because that's been going on our whole lives, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of problems in the world. It's 
great that one of them's getting solved. Yep, and one is a refrigerator, not a television. I don't and one know. is a television, not a refrigerator. I'm so relieved over Convergence, that. Convergence, so yeah. many of those technologies. So, three good names this week. Is that it for uh, Wall Street news? Mm-hmm. Is there any more? Well, I had some other news. Oh, I had news. I went. Oh, out this got was some my, news. This was the this was well, the we, Bernanke challenge. Well, here's I the, here was challenge the thing. you to find something okay. funny in his. I speech. just want to say, October first, twelve forty eight p.m. That's today. That's just a few hours ago. Right. This is cutting edge news from the Value Guys. Uh, you don't have to turn anywhere else. You come here. Now I know we were both going to take this home and read it. And actually know something about I've, it. I've read it already. Have you? Yeah. Uh, I just thought that uh, Ben Bernanke, he answered some questions today from critics, and I just wanted to review some of that. So the first question was... Do you wear boxer shorts or do you wear briefs? Yeah. He refused to answer that question. So this was technically the second question. They didn't even put that in here. Right. Uh, this was, what are the Fed's objectives and how is it trying to meet them? Now, this is a question coming the, from the Wall Street Journal. I don't have to read the answer to know I'm worried that they have to ask the question, right? It's the Federal Reserve. They're what? supposed to manage this stuff. It's the Wall Street Journal who's supposed to report on it. They don't know the Fed's objectives or how they're trying to meet them. And I'd say, get some reporters on that. You know, you shouldn't have to ask that now. It's been going on. I mean, the Federal Reserve's been there for 80 years. Maybe the Wall Street Journal is the only entity on earth that doesn't know what the Fed's objectives are and what they're doing to meet them. I just, that was shocking. We're in QE3. I mean, if you didn't get it in QE1, I can kind of get it. But QE2, and you haven't caught on, and now QE3, and you're wondering, hmm, wonder what the Fed does. I just just found that to be alarming that that is one of the five questions. Uh, And then you have one here, how does the Fed's monetary policy affect savers and investors? Um, and that's a pretty serious question. I think that if you're a saver, I mean, let's face it, you, you've been screwed by the low rates because you're not earning the rate you thought you'd earn when you were diligently saving your money your whole career, and now but, you wish you could earn 6% and you can't. But since so, there are no savers, the fact is, the reality is, that no one's really, really impacted well, no, by this on average Well, no, but on average there aren't savers, but that... that Minority Small. that does save yes, has yes. saved fourteen trillion. Right. So it's uh, there's a lot of savings out there, but it's hurting savers. And I think Ben Bernanke ought to understand that. And I don't know. There's a couple of other questions here, but I just thought it was worth uh, noting that um, unlike past chairman of the Fed, you know, Alan Greenspan wouldn't do an interview. That was part of his mystique and all that. Right. I uh, I applaud Ben Bernanke for coming out and asking. You know, answering these uh, these tough questions, and no, he's been he's been very visible. He's been very transparent. He's on the X Factor next week. Is he? That'll be interesting to see. He's already done Dancing with the Stars. We're going to do a reality so show. I understand a, with the Fed. Yeah, um, yeah. Fed's wives. Yeah, I don't know. Wives. Anyway, okay. Well, this is the part of the show where we actually talk about a couple of stocks. We've got three pretty good ideas this week. Uh, they came out of a screen. And the screen is, uh, you could probably do the screen on Yahoo Finance. I ran it in FactSet, but um, it was uh, stocks under $2 billion in market cap. Uh, let's see, I wrote it down. Long-term debt to capital less than 30%. That doesn't mean they don't have short-term debt, but long-term debt. Uh, the dividend greater than a 3% yield. And also taking note of coverage, it wasn't a screen uh, filter, but it, we we printed it to test that, and then return on capital 
greater than 9%. So that was the screen looking through 7,000 companies. 75 companies came out. So pretty tight screen. And what was on that screen was, uh, that was independent evaluation, really. So you're just looking through there uh, for good values. And, uh, and so Mo and I sat here and looked through uh, 75 names. And we've got three, Computer Programs and Systems, CPSI, Pet Med Express, PETS, and Pioneer Southwest Energy Partners, LP, PSI. So let's start with this uh, Computer Programs and Systems, CPSI. It came through the screen. So what do we know about it? Well, they've got a 3% yield, they're under 2 billion market cap, and they got a 9% return on capital. And that's a net uh, return on capital, by the way. Um, not grow. So we're looking through. The thing about this company that caught my eye, uh, they provide software to mid-sized hospitals, is they have a very consistent EBITDA margin and EBIT margin that was in the high teens, low 20s, has been moving up about 100 basis points a year. It's in the mid-20s now on a gross margin that's in the upper 40s. And if you've, if you're running a business on software, you know, it's very hard to lose that customer unless you're just terrible. And, uh, you know, we met this company a few years ago, Mo. They came through the shop, and they were just basically targeting smaller hospitals that needed to get a little better on the cost side. And, of course, that's become even more important next year uh, as Obamacare kicks in and costs become even a more important element. I think that their share uh, seems to be uh, getting some roots. The sales have been rising. Returns on assets are in the 30s. Return on equity in the 40s. Everything looks terrific. A yield of 3% that's uh, covered, because uh, it evidently doesn't take a lot of capital to build software. You're expensing your software engineers and all that. So they're paying out about, looks like, two-thirds of the earnings, and you're getting a 3% yield. The only negative to it is the valuation. Quite honestly, it's 14 times EBITDA. It's 20 times uh, trailing P.E., and that's higher than I like to pay, Mo. But these returns, the consistent growth, uh, the way I might look at this is the 14, 14 times EBITDA is a 7% cash-on-cash return, and then I'm going to get some kind of 10% growth for a total return in the upper teens. Well, and that's where I'm at. And they have uh, no debt is the other element. So... You know, it looks pretty good to me. Well, you know, um, I agree with you. The question is, is is the market anticipating something that, that hasn't really shown up in the historical numbers? So, so look at this. Here is a company that has not raised its dividend in seven years. For for six years, it was a dollar and forty four cents a share. This year, they raised it to a dollar eighty five. Yeah. Boom. When, when a company does that, they're telling you. They have a high confidence factor in what they're doing going forward. So take that as a recent signal, then take a look at the, the price performance of the stock. And if you go back to 2008, <laughs> you used this term the other day, I like that you called it a ruler stock, or, or, or our, one, our, one of our comrades who likes yeah, acronyms, right. called it yeah. a ruler stock. Yeah, yeah. And I said, what's a ruler stock? He says, you take your ruler out and put it underneath the stock, and over a course of you know eight or nine years... Yeah, it's right along that ruler, and that's exactly the case with uh, computer programs and systems. Great, 
Well, great. plus it's a logarithmic chart, which is right. even better for ruler style. Right. Um, and you take a look at the sales. It's gone 110, 120, 130, 150, 170, 190. I mean, the, the, the sales have been extremely consistent. Now, the one thing that always worries me is that when someone's got an ROE that's much higher than the industry, does that mean that sooner or later they're going to have an issue? And if you look at the very bottom of the page, they have a 45% ROE, and pretty much everyone else in the industry is around 20 or 25%. So can they sustain that high of an ROE? I think that's the question that the market's asking. And yes, we can, and I think that's management's answer, and they're talking to each other through the dividends. Well, these competitors they show here, <clears throat> I think they're in small little markets, and so uh, a lot of what they're providing is, I don't want to say they have a monopoly, but um, the size of customer they go after is just a bit below the size that these other guys go after. And the thing about hospitals is, for whatever reason, you know, they don't tend to go out of business. You know, we've been in an industry where the prices have been going up faster than inflation for 50 years, and they, and, and the demand has been going up. So it's a recent phenomenon, I think, that hospitals really have to crunch down on the cost structure, and uh, they now have a lot of locations that are really um, reference locations that they can show people to. So when I met them a few years ago, one of the issues was, do they have enough locations that a new prospect can go and visit to see how things are working or do they know someone there so they can talk and I think that each year that goes by you know their sales are going up by you know 10 or 20 million, 20 million and I forget what their price is I think it might be you know half a million or a quarter of a million so just to get the number of new customers 20 million that's that might be 50 to 100 new customers and then they also get the maintenance. So in addition to that one-time fee for the software, you get an ongoing fee to maintain it. And I think one of the nicest elements to this is just people don't tend to unplug once they've trained their whole staff and all that. So right. uh, I, I like that element. Well, the market's telling you something. I'd, I'd just close to tell you that this stock has been up every single year in the last five years. Every single year it's been up. 17% in 2008, 72% in 09, squeaked by in 2010, but still positive, 10% or so in 2011, we're up 9% already this year. So it just keeps marching along. So as long as the competitors decide they're not going to down market and start competing with Right, them, that's a risk. They've, right. got a, they've got a green light, and it's, a, it's an intriguing, intriguing looking stock. Yeah, I don't know. I'd also point out 13 analysts cover it, so I'm not sure Mo and I, of course 15 with Mo and I, but uh, I'm not sure that uh, you know we really have an edge on this one. The other thing is that uh, I think we do because I think sometimes you can get because too, of the drinking. I think you can get too close to the subject. Yeah, and uh, we're definitely out enough tonight that we've got a good distant look at. Good distant look. Okay, next up. Um, PetMed Express, ticker P-E-T-S. Again, it came through the screen of uh, below $2 billion market cap, 3% uh, or better yield, 30% debt to cap or less. And so uh, 75 names got through that screen, and PetMed Express was one of them. And so the first thing I'm attracted to on that list of companies was the valuation, five times EBITDA. I might look at that as a 20% cash-on-cash return. 
uh, and they have a return on assets that's uh, 17%. They have no debt, so 18, 19% ROE. And again, I like that. But then I look at something else, which is uh, the sales line, which is flat for seven years. The EBITDA margin line has been uh, flattish to down. Down, yeah. And I know, uh, we used to own this here in the shop. They sell uh, veterinary prescriptions through mail order, and they do advertising on uh, cable and things like that. And they pay a lot of attention to how much it costs to win a customer through this advertising. So they're almost, you know, scientists on the customer acquisition. But their big com competition was veterinarians that overcharged for medicine. And what's been happening in the last couple of years is veterinarians have learned not to overcharge for medicine. So they're under a little pressure, and that's why the valuation, I mean, the stock hit a high of 25 a few years ago. It's at 10 now. And, uh, and yet they're still putting up pretty strong margins and returns. They also, interestingly, have maintained a pretty good dividend. And in fact, in the face of declining earnings the last five years, four years, they've been increasing the dividend. So in 2006, they had no dividend. Well, I was just going to mention, yeah, I mean, if you look at this, that, that it's time for us to do something. For us? Okay. Excellent. What are we going to do, Mo? Take over the company? Guess the dividend. Okay. Since you're on dividends. All right. Okay. Go ahead. This is the part of the show where we use very sophisticated algorithms. Some of them are proprietary. Some of them are actually proprietary to the show because we've taken the proprietary models and we've proprietized them. And we've published nothing. There's nothing yeah, so on these this anywhere. secret proprietary. Right. So we use these proprietary models, very sophisticated inputs, don't try to do this at home, to guess the dividend, guess the dividend. of a stock. And since okay. you were just about to mention that the dividend in this particular stock has been going up a bit, I thought we would um, dazzle listeners with with our forecasting Absolutely. acumen. Absolutely. And this is a bit of a tricky one also, Mo. Well, not de it depends uh, on what year you start. Yeah, well, okay. So here we go. Dividends. All right. 2009. 2009. Check. 30. Well, what about 2008? Forget. That's important to know. No, no, no. It was zero. I'm throwing that out. Okay. Give it a free one. It was zero. Okay. 2010. Yep. 50. What? 2010, 50. Got it? Check. 2011. Yep. 50. What are you looking at? We're rounding. You're rounding. That's going to make it harder to forecast, Mom. 2012? Okay. 60. All right. So let's just see. You have a, a 30. Do you have a... In a way, when I look at it, you have a 30, you have a 40, you have a 50, you have a 60. Mm-hmm. Rounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were to put 30, 40, 50, and 60 and plug those in. Yeah. You want me to try to predict the dividend for the, next put year? Put those in and see what the algorithm You're not going to like what you see, Mo. What is that? Well, okay. You've got 30, 47, 52, 60. And the 60 is for uh, March 2013. That's for fiscal year. Correct. So you want me to predict for the March... 2014 fiscal year. That's impossible, but I'm going to try it, Mo. Okay. I'm going to try it. 60. A flat year? Flat year. You know why I'm saying that? This is the tricky part, Mo. Look at the earnings. 
I'm just yep. going to, this is an interesting, this company's transitioning from a growth company, and I, I happen to know that management changed in here and in about uh, 2007 or 8. That's kind of when we bought it back in those days. And they were a growth company. Now they're kind of a, well, they're clearly not growing. Sales have been flat for four years. Earnings have gone, so you, you had the dividend going 30, 40, 50, 60. How about this? Earnings, 114, 92 cents, 80 cents, 72 cents. Oops. So when the dividend was 30 cents, earnings were about 14. When the dividend was 47 cents, earnings were 92 cents. When the dividend was 52 cents, earnings were 80 cents. And now the dividend 60 cents, earnings are 72 cents. These things are, are about to cross in the wrong well, direction. Well, the lines are about to cross. So I'm just looking over here at the forecast, the analyst forecast, as you can see here. They do have a slight up year in 2014, and we own a... This is a highly optimistic yeah. management team. Well, the more things slow down, the better the, things get. The more they feel emboldened I just to think increase the dividend. These, we own a, a veterinarian stock in here, a little uh, hospital and lab stock, which is pretty pretty good, uh, VCA uh, Corp. And we talked to them, and I know that all the veterinarians got together, and they said, hey, these pet meds are, are kicking our ass. What are we going to do? And they said, let's stop overcharging for meds. That was it. And so Pet Med Express at that point, that's about when we sold it, by the way. Um, and, you know, the stock's down a lot. But now at five times EBITDA, there's people who just want the meds. They don't care if it's the same price at the vet. They're not even going to the vet. They're on some type of long-term thing. It could be vitamins. It could be food supplements. It, it, who knows? Toys. But Pet Meds Express, I think we must be getting to the point where we're getting some kind of stability in the sales and the earnings. Certainly the street thinks that. And I'm going to say they're going to ride out a flat dividend, which, by the way, is a 6% yield. I don't know if we mentioned that. That's why this is a little bit exciting. And so uh, that's my forecast. 60 cents, 6% 6 yield. You get out a couple years, you might have a chance for an increase, but not next year. Well, you know, the, in, in 2011, the stock was down almost 42%. We did not own it, thank God. Um, so the question I have is, you know, when, whenever you see a decline like this, you ask, is it all baked into the cake, or uh, were, you know, is there a second shoe to drop? And so, uh, to me, it looks it looks interesting from a 6% yield standpoint, but it scares me a little bit. Scary, it, yeah. It's you sort of If you don't really know what you're doing here, yeah. you may be taken pet meds. Good point. Or be taken by pet meds. All right, I think uh, we've got one more that neither of us understand, or I'll speak for myself. But. I don't understand. Pioneer Southwest Energy Partners, ticker PSE. It also met the screen, under $2 billion market cap, below 30% long-term debt to capital, and 3% uh, or better yield. Now, these guys have an 8% yield. Yep. Uh, sales have been going up a little bit each year. Got to like that. They have a master limited partnership. They own gas and oil in uh, eight counties in uh, New Mexico and... Uh, in part of the Permian Basin in uh, West Texas, the Strawberry Field. That would be Strawberry yeah. Fields forever? It's Strawberry Field. Strawberry. And it might not be well, forever, but well, yeah. That's how they pronounce it there. Uh, there's a song 
a song like They were that. nerving Texas. It's so, <laughs> so, you know, the, it's energy, 8% yield. The dividend here is, I think this must be an REIT. No, I'm sorry, it's a master limited partnership. So there's rules about how much they have to pay out. I'm sure they're meeting them. So and you know you can you can, you always see these with these master limited partnerships. Look at the look at the dividends per share have gone from eighty to two dollars to two dollars to two oh three to two oh eight. So to me that looks like an, uh, a master limited partnership that's ramping up very quickly. Even though the earnings are all over the place, they go from three dollars to eighty cents, back to three dollars, almost to four dollars. Well, that brings up a good point, Mo. Is that if they had to pay out a certain percentage of dividends, they certainly weren't doing it back here. Precisely. So maybe they don't have to do that. Yeah, whatever it is, they are. Uh, the dividends have been extremely consistent. It's as though they took two years to ramp them up to uh, a run rate, and it's they've been uh, you know pretty much two dollars or so a share. For um, for five years now, so that would suggest that maybe that dividend is sustainable. But well, it certainly smells that way. I mean, they probably have a certain amount of uh, you know gas in the ground that they're going to pump out. I think one thing about these MLPs is they have to have some estimate that they're you know going to have everything pumped out over a certain period. And I don't want to get into all the details, frankly, because I don't know them. But I do recall that there are some rules. Uh, but what ends up happening is when you get to the year 10 or whatever it is, year 8 or 15 or whatever it is, you 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 know, and you're supposed to be out of gas at that point. You're kind of like, oh, hey, we've got some more gas back here we didn't know about. And, right. you, and you keep just paying the dividend. Right. I mean, i got friends that have owned these things for 30 years. They were supposed to shut down 20 years ago. They just keep paying the well, dividend. Well, can I show you something? You know what makes me think that they may not only just keep paying, but they, they may be onto something? Sure. What? Look at the CapEx line. Oh, this, yeah. This is a company that's typically, in an average year in, in the past, has spent between 3 and $14 million a year in CapEx. All of a sudden, in 2010, they spent $40 million, and then $70 million, and this year they doubled their CapEx. What does that tell you? They're either building big time for fracking or they're doing something like Harder that. Harder to find oil? Harder to know. find oil, but uh, what what they are doing, the market clearly likes. Of course, oil prices are up a lot over this period, so they may just have been ramping into some stuff that's, uh, you know, does well with these higher oil prices we're yeah. seeing. But you do sometimes that's a that's a telling line to look at that um, that capex line. I think that's a good point, Mo. Um, you know, they've also been uh, pretty stable on shares. That's always something to check when you're looking at something with a dividend, because the more shares there are, the less money is there. To keep all the shares with the same dividend, so that's good. And uh, returns on assets and equity very high in the 20s and 30s. It's volatile but strong. They don't keep a lot of cash around, so it's not a cash-rich company. But on the other hand, they don't have any debt, so they're managing things pretty well. I do. I do have a um, I have a CFA question for you. Yes, sir. Are you ready? I hope so. The quick ratio for Pioneer Southwest Energy Partners has declined from 7.9% in 2008 to 0.6% in 2012. Oh, in wow. 60 seconds or less, tell the committee why you think this is so, and if you were in charge the of the quick company, ratio, what you would do to change it. Well, I think the quick ratio, and you can Google this, so who knows what you, why you even need to know this anymore. It's just like cash... And receivables short term divided by total 
liabilities, something like that. Or you might have inventory in there. I think it's your short-term sure. short assets minus short-term yeah. liabilities, and that's your question. And so it's fallen a lot. I mean, that could simply be the fact that their CapEx is a lot, up a lot, and they used a chunk of cash to pay a guy, and so they're a little light on the, uh, on the cash right now. You can see that their cash balance has gone from 18 million to 7 million to dash yeah, for right. 2012. So that could be it. You know, sometimes a, a falling quick ratio or something like that could actually simply be the sign of growth where you're drawing down cash to pay a guy. Uh, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're taking on some liabilities to do something, you know, I mean, I, I think your point that they, they have doubled CapEx, and that's discretionary right. in some sense, unless they got wells going bad, and they've got to drill to, uh, to keep the flow going, but, you know, and, and of course, we don't have no idea on that, or I don't, but, you know, 8% yield, yep. and it looks like they know... They think carefully about raising the dividend. You know, they're not doing it without some thought. You know, and here's a um, every. You know, a lot of times there's there's financial things to look at with a stock. Sometimes there's there's uh, you can get into the plumbing of <clears throat> how a stock's traded, what the shorts are, and then sometimes you can get into some more esoteric areas like what smart money owns a stock. And every once in a while, a name jumps out at you. And Fidelity is a very big owner of the stock when you take a look at it. Now you were on the sell side. When you yeah, had, I was. When you had Good breaking, times. When you had breaking news, who usually did you call first? Or who was one of the top five firms you called first? Well, you'd first call Fidelity the, because exactly. they would pay you. They were the biggest. But now, they, I understand, they pay cash for research. I probably wouldn't call Fidelity <laughs> now. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, the guy on here that impresses me is uh, Royce. Oh, yeah. Value yeah. guys. And uh, they've taken a, uh, they've got a, almost a percent of total outstanding shares, so I think that's important. But yeah, Fidelity. I mean, they do have. Uh, they only have six analysts covering them, which is kind of interesting. Fidelity Equity Income Fund. That just uh, they're looking at that yield as well. So yeah, but it's always nice to know that those guys have the uh, have the money and they've got the firepower to do relatively good research. And when they take a position in something. Uh, it's not always a perfect sign that the the coast is clear, but it does tell you that some pretty smart people have kicked the tires pretty hard, decided to make a pretty big investment in it, and uh, if there was a way to take a look at what their investment was over the last six months, if they were increasing it, then all of those signs I'd, I'd jump on. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our three stocks this week, Mo. Um, I think there's probably at least one decent idea amongst those. Did you have a favorite? You know, we haven't been putting up our favorites, and I think Phil's starting to get a little uh, upset, because although he hasn't said so, but if I were him, I would be, because Pioneer we're not Island. putting out any favorites lately. Pioneer Southwest that's Energy. That's part of our job. That's Pioneer. we're going with, yep, 8%. Uh, smart money. Okay. And the, and the quick ratio, I really think that the change in the quick ratio was... The turning point for me. That's the key. That is the key. That's the key. You take those late alphabet ratios, and if they start changing on you, that's yeah. usually a catalyst. Well, I am going to have, uh, I'm going to come on a little out of left field on my favorite this week, Mo. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to, my favorite, and I've lost the sheet. I probably threw it away. Uh, let's see. Here it is. My favorite this week, Computer Programs and Systems, CPSI, 
at 14 times EBITDA, you're saying, Val, what in the world? Here's what in the world. I think this thing, it's not a monopoly, but with 26% EBITDA margins, 50% gross margins, no debt, uh, something good's happening here, and I think that, you know, they're going to continue to see growth. And I'm, I am, I have to say, I'm, I am counting on some growth for my total return on this one. And I don't know if I'm proud of that, but this thing looks like a pretty strong, pretty solid company. It's a, it's a 500 million or 600 million market cap company, and just the wins they're getting suggests to me that this could be a $2 billion company in terms of the, the number of businesses that could benefit from this type of thing. So that's where I'm really seeing this. Is just It should be a much, much, much bigger company. Okay, well, this is the part of the show. I'm sorry, what? Nothing. Oh, Nothing. Where we're going to do paging through national economic trends, but we're going to have to do it after we print, print, it. print it and study it. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. everybody we're back with uh, paging through national economic trends just what everybody's been waiting to hear about so yeah, and there's a lot of lot of news this week well we're looking at the October 2012 edition and this is October 1st so it doesn't get any more fresh than this mo October 1st 2012 could be November 2012 national economic trends national let's see I'm sorry Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis so you people could follow along with this if they google that up so and we go through this every week, just as a uh, public service. So I've got another. I got another question for you. Bill Gross wrote an article, oh, two weeks ago. Just as the article was this, GDP growth historically, looking way back, has been three percent a year. Market growth over that period of time, excluding some of the recent black swans, has been seven. And he was saying the market, which is a reflection of GDP, can't grow at twice GDP forever. And he said, so going forward, with, with even lower GDP, he's not looking for much of a, of, of a market movement at all over a relatively long period of time. I've never really heard anyone say that the market, the, the aggregate of the stock market, should mirror the aggregate of the GDP because they're interlinked. Well, if you think of a you know, market value to sales ratio, which we sometimes look at. Right. I think that's a, it's a fair uh, point of view with, with a couple of caveats. One is the GDP has got a lot of government spending, which don't trade publicly. Right. So, and right. if they did, you know, you might short them. So, um, and the reason I say that is because the government part of GDP is the part that's the least well-managed, lowest returns on capital, Lowest labor productivity, all that. And it um, deserves a lower growth rate. Lower growth rate. It, it doesn't just deserve it, but you have people choosing to spend capital that have no concern for return on capital. That's not the purpose of government. 
which is why I advocate a small government. The things where you shouldn't be worrying about return should be small, but they've gotten big. But ever, I, I think Bill Gross is ignoring that. The other thing that I think people, and thank you for that, the other thing people don't think about is when you talk about the market, you don't inflation adjust it. It's not real stock market versus nominal stock market. It's just right. the stock market. When you talk about 3% GDP growth, you're generally talking about real GDP growth. So I would say if you add inflation to that 3% GDP growth right. over more, the history, they're, they're closer. And then the only difference is what is that sort of asset to sales ratio doing and what part of the economy is the government? That's going to also be a factor. But with those three things, um, he's certainly right that you, you know, I mean, you can have a period where the sales to asset ratio or the market value to asset ratio is expanding or market value to sales, but it can't go on that way forever. We have been in a 30-year period of declining interest rates, and therefore, if you take as a rough estimate of a multiple one over the 10-year Treasury bond yield, you know, when we got in the business, the Treasury was at 13%. I think it went up to the I don't want to be out of school here, but I think in 1979 or 80, the long-term bond got to 18%. So 1 over 18 is, you know, what, 5, 6? So uh, that would have been a fair multiple. Now the long bond is at 1.5. A fair multiple might be 65, you know. Right, um, right. But I think that, uh, no, I think Bill Gross is right. If you If you make those those uh, changes well and, and uh, he's a listener so yeah. shout out to Bill thanks for all the emails thanks for the support you know I will say something about Bill Gross um, <clears throat> I think he's wising up because of course he's famous for bonds but PIMCO has started an equity business and yep. that tells you something well you got to go somewhere if you're I'm that negative sure on, on, on the market that you're all in. right I've got one here on page three page three uh, right up front Consumer Price Index. Uh, last month, the Consumer Price Index hit 0.6. That's for one month. So if you multiply that by 12, that's an unpleasant number. Now, it was down a few months ago. It's been running in the 0.3 range, which times 12 is 3, 4%, which is acceptable. I think this must be due to the jump in... Uh, in oil prices, and that could be an Iraq, you know, issue. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, that can't stay like that or we're in a lot of trouble. The other thing I'd say on page three, the unemployment rate continues to tick down. This looks like a trend that just continues. It's been a slow take up, I think, because businesses are uncertain, but it's a consistent uptake, and that's good news uh, for the economy. You have anything else, Mo? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do. Yeah. Hang on a second. Let's, okay. Uh, let's take a look up here at um, page seven. This is page seven. This is okay. just a uh, this is just a heads up for people out there. Um, yeah. I'm taking a look at the yield curve. Yep. And uh, you had just mentioned the consumer price index is up for the first time in a very long time. Could that be signs of early inflation? You take a look at this yield curve and you realize that the Treasury's been in there. They've been flooding the marketplace with money. They've been holding yeah. rates down. Are they yeah. sowing the seeds for inflation? And are we just starting to see 
the tip of the iceberg. You know, that was one of the questions to Ben Bernanke. That's why I'm bringing you it up. You know what he said? No. Ah, humbug. <laughs> this, is, this is the ghost of Christmas oh, future. He said, we know what we're doing about inflation, and we're not seeing any inflation. Well, heads up, there's a great Wall Street Journal article. I, you know, sometimes you... Sometimes a retail investor feels like he's walked into something in the middle of a conversation. And what are they talking about? Do you know QE3? This is a great five questions you always wanted Ben Bernanke to answer in English today, this afternoon, actually. Um, and uh, he was in a speech he gave today. Yeah. So go Google that. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I, I think even I read through it this afternoon and yeah. kind of went, wow, this is Great yeah, stuff. it kind of makes sense what they're doing. I mean, we had a real problem on our hands, and they're they're trying to get through it. And Congress isn't helping. No one over there is doing anything. So he, you kind of need him. I had something on page seven too, Mo. This is going to surprise a lot of listeners, I think, or maybe maybe it won't. But here's the thing: there's a 25-year chart of the S&P 500 index with reinvested dividends. And I just, uh, this is very rough, so who knows, but I counted up the number of months where the S&P was up 25% from the year prior. And it looks to me like over that whole period, there were 43 months, and that's 25 years times 12. I mean, that's a lot of months, right? I think it's about 300 months or something like that. So 43 of them. So maybe, what, 12% have been above 25% year over year. That, so people were feeling good. In the last, uh, let's say, three years, so since the middle of 2009, because face it, that 08-09 period didn't have one of those over 25% uh, years. But starting in 2009, we had three months kind of straddling... 09, you know, 2010, that were recoveries, so three. We had one in the early part of 11, a year over year, that was over 25%. And right now, right now, Mo, the S&P 500, with dividends reinvested, is sitting over 25%. So the market's up 25% year over year. Housing starts are better than they've been in five years. The unemployment rate is going down. Employment's going up. I know there's a lot of people talking about a bad economy. Um, and certainly we had a bad economy back in 2009 and 2008. Uh, the take-up of employment has been slower than you'd hope for, but personally, I think that's a lot bit caused by just the productivity of the Internet that you don't appreciate until you go to hire people and then you don't need them, the people that you laid off. So... Uh, that's happened in past recessions uh, when new technologies come in. But I just want to point out, of the 43 months when the S&P 500 was up 25% or more, in the last 25 years, four of them, or five of them, more than 10% of them, amazingly, have been in the last three years. I just, you wouldn't think it, but that's what's happened. And that might help explain a little bit of the, you know, pick up in the... Uh, Consumer sentiment and things like that. Yep, so, yep, 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 yep. I don't know. So, and then I, I did have another one. I don't know. Did you have any other? Uh, um, that's my last one. Well, here, I had, uh, that's a sad one, though. I don't know if I want to end on that. Because huh. I just, that one I just ended on, that was pretty pretty optimistic, it wasn't was. it? Yeah. 
Well, sad. So I got a couple ending. bad ones. Yeah, maybe I'll just not go into them. No, no, I'll no, just, no. Just a drive-by. Here's a quick drive-by. Uh, the change in manufacturing payrolls. Ouch. Down the most in two years, just for this month, last month. Uh, and I looked it up on uh, the Federal Reserve puts out their releases on these things, and it looks like part of what happened was a bunch of Gulf oil guys shut down in advance of a hurricane that ended up not coming or what have you. But they say that hurt the number. Uh, the other one that was a little scary was um, for the first time also in three years, um, non-defense capital goods orders are negative year over year. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I like that. I, I think it could just be a dip, the same thing, you know, people preparing for uh, change of the, the, guard. Uh, the Gulf uh, hurricane or something. Oh, yeah. But that's it. Other than that, pretty good. So we'll see you. We'll see you next week then. Is that the end of the show? Official end of the show. Okay. Well, thanks for listening in, everybody. It's been another week with the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. See all our caveats, disclosures, photographs, and we might have left a snack at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. Have a good week.